0: my professors, my lecturers at the university had a lot of confidence in me. They could give me tasks thinking I would be able to do them, but I don't do them well. So my heart is broken because now I seem to be a disappointment to people because now they had high expectations of me, but now I'm not delivering enough according to their expectations. That broke my heart. Welcome to Real Faith. Conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through. Helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life, and real faith
1: with Eric Skadabo. Our guest today is Brenda Uubunu from Rwanda. She has a deep faith in the Lord, but as we'll hear, she has faced her share of challenges in life. Her family were refugees fleeing the genocide that took place in her country in the 1990s. In her teenage years, she suffered from self-doubt, fear, and low self-esteem. Then, after experiencing tremendous success in her university years, she suddenly was hit with bilateral facial paralysis that left her bedridden and isolated socially. Today, we'll find out how the Lord healed her both physically and spiritually as she shares her story with us. Brenda Uubunu, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Glad to have you with us. And let's go back to your childhood. Growing up in Rwanda, I would have no idea what that would be like. What was your childhood like?
0: My childhood was interesting in a way that I was a child of a refugee. My dad was a refugee uh, for 34 years during and after the Rwandan genocide. And so, you know, Growing up as a child of a refugee, going through the process of coming back to our country after the 1994 genocide, having challenges with my education background, encountering serious poverty in our standards of living at home, and growing up in such a setting was really tough for my family.
1: Yeah, yeah, let's let's just back up. So your father was a refugee, so he's from Rwanda. Yeah. But with the conflict with the genocide in the early 90s, he left Rwanda, is that what yeah, you're saying?
0: Was in exile uh, in Uganda, neighboring country.
1: Oh, okay. And then he came back?
0: He came back in end of the in the 1994 genocide.
1: Okay, so a lot of disruption. In your life, in a horrific experience in your country of Rwanda. Yes. And you were kind enough to send me a photo of four pictures that represent the different stages in your life. Mm. And in the first one, which represents your age from six to 11 years old, there's a picture of a little stick figure with a frown on its face and it's thinking. And there's a face with an even bigger frown and question marks. Mm -hmm. What does this represent at this stage in your life?
0: That's the picture that represents the setting of my life which is literally age 6 to 11 years and that's when I wasn't sure of I was sad about so many things but this is when I was in my primary school and that's when I was the child who wasn't performing well at school. I was coming from a very poor family. I wasn't as smart. I wasn't an A student and so didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, You know, having tough parents also. So in such a, a setting, I grew up not having enough confidence. I was timid as a child in class. And very isolated. I remember this day, my friends had to tease me a lot because uh, I had packed very funny food and they were laughing at me a lot, saying, Bro, oh, look at the kind of food Brenda packs and stuff like that. So I grew up in such a Uh, A way that I was so timid that I couldn't even approach the teachers to ask a question or ask for permission to go to the washroom. So it was really challenging of a lifestyle, but it improved as days went by.
1: So hence the photo of you with a big frown on your face.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, with lots of question marks, wondering why I'm alone and seeing all those kids out there having fun with themselves and I not with them. And
1: Oh, okay. So I'm looking at it a little closer now. Your drawing has an, a lot of little stick figures off to the side and then you on the other side of the drawing all by yourself.
0: Yeah, by myself.
1: And that was pretty much your life from 6 to 11 years old?
0: 6 to 11 years old. So uh having raised by a tough father the kind of life that was we were living after the genocide was so sensitive that he could not allow us to go anywhere anyhow to go play around with friends and to go and mingle with neighbors so we were just there by ourselves so growing up we're just, it's just me and my siblings and that's all so going Going to school was now a challenge. I did not know how to make friends. And now the fact that I wasn't the popular child because I was coming from a poor family. I was just there and the teachers could notice my timidity. And actually one of the teachers called me dull. You're not intelligent. That was the battle between age 6 and 11.
1: Okay, so now life is difficult as it is, especially when you're feeling uncomfortable and not feeling like you're the best student in the Mm -hmm. world. But yet to be in a country that just went through this horrific genocide, that had to be confusing as well. Mm. On top of everything else that you were going through.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Plenty of things to make your childhood less than pleasant, and hence, as we mentioned, the frown on your face in the first drawing. And then it looks like things even got worse in this second little drawing you've Mm. put here uh, representing ages 12 to 19, Mm. And uh, you titled it Conflict, and there is like a, an angry face there. What's yeah. what's going on at this point in your life?
0: Oh, so now there there is a lot of conflict because there is a battle between myself not performing well at school. There is that battle of having poor performance in, in class due to my character that was affected uh, throughout my childhood. And then growing up, there is that conflict of now trying to identify who I am. Uh, This was at the time where my dad was a pastor, and here I am, I'm a teenager, and so you get a lot of confrontation from people, uh, a lot of judgments from people, you know, complaining, you're a child of a pastor you shouldn't be here, oh, you shouldn't go there, you shouldn't wear this this is too long, this is too short that's not right for you so that was the battle and the conflict that was going on within and without of trying to search for my true identity who who I really am and also in such a teenage uh, you are battling between knowing, knowing your physical appearance as a girl as a teenager growing up But then regardless of having a lot of environmental and external pressures as well as inner battles or inner conflict as a pastor's child, there was also all this the other side of the coin whereby I started to identify a lot of gifts and a lot of talent that the Lord had invested in me. That's when I realized I'm a young leader in the sense that my church actually entrusted me to run a kids and teens Bible club.
1: Well, let's back up. Yeah. So, you were expected as the pastor's child to behave in a certain way, certain pressures. Yeah. But what about your own faith? Did you have faith in the Lord at that time?
0: That's when I was struggling to believe in the truth that my parents had introduced me to.
1: Yeah, they believe it, but did you believe it? That was the question that you faced. So,
0: now, people who have been raised in uh, Christian families often battle to really get to a point of understanding of their standing with the Lord, whether Mm -hmm. they are actually believers. I came to the understanding of the Lord at age 13. That's when I actually got to know that I cannot fall under the grace of my parents being Christians. Mm -hmm. I need to find and seek God as my personal Lord and Savior. So I came to that understanding at age 13 when I had failed National exams, the all level national exams that were supposed to take me to the higher level to the a level advanced level in secondary school, and so failing during the national exams in all level was during that pain is when I started to say, who is going to help me to come out of this failure. So that's when I started to call upon the Lord and asking for help. And that's when I started to know that I have my own life to live, my own road to seek, and my own studies to pursue with mm-hmm. my hard work and smart work, you know. And God would reward my efforts of hard work. That's, that's when I got to encounter the Lord.
1: So you went from just being a child of a pastor to developing your own personal faith and relationship with the Lord. Mm. And we're looking at your photos here. Still, we're seeing an angry face there. Did things improve when your faith grew? Um, still had challenges.
0: I still had challenges, but things were, they fall apart. (laughs) That was, I can say, they actually fell apart and well, I yeah, was asking happened? Lord, the Lord why he would allow such a thing to happen. So why I say that things fell apart is in a sense that now after in secondary school where I had encountered a failure, I arrived in a whereby now I'm one of the best students in the country wow. with a high distinction, with a grand distinction actually. So that permitted me to attend the best university in my country, the National University of Rwanda, and
1: so you. All that you went from being a poor student, timid, one teacher even saying you're dull, to being one of the tops in your country.
0: Yes, but that that's quite co- a,
1: an accomplishment. Yes, did that bring some happiness?
0: It did bring some happiness with a lot of determination and strive. I had to really strive. I had to read hard. I remember I uh, I have this church near our house. I used to go there and read and the pastors could enter the church and find me laid in the book while I was reading Dozing Off because I was trying to read so hard as well as trust God enough to take me through, to help me break through this failure. And he really did it. And it was a miracle that I had to get four A's in all my major subjects. So wow. that's how I broke through.
1: Our guest today is Brenda Ububunu from Rwanda who's sharing her life journey with us. She's mentioned some of the challenges she's faced in her life, but then said how she began to experience academic success due to her persistence and determination. Next we'll hear how this all came crashing down when both sides of her face became paralyzed due to stress that left her bedridden. We'll find out what happens next when we return right here on Real Faith.
0: Looking for resources to grow your faith? Check out Vision Christian Store with books, movies, audio CDs, DVD resources and more. Plus, free delivery on orders over $50. See visionstore.org.au You're listening to Real Faith.
1: Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo, and our guest today is Brenda Uwubunu from Rwanda. She's sharing her life journey with us and some of the challenges that she's faced. We've heard how in her teenage years, she suffered from self-doubt, fear, and low self-esteem. But then she began to experience tremendous academic success in her university years. However, the stress of being one of the top students began to take a toll on her emotionally and then physically when she suffered from bilateral facial paralysis. Now we're going to move to the third drawing in the story of your young life. Yeah. And uh, things look a little bit worse here. Uh, Now I'm seeing a frown, but with tears coming down and a broken heart. Wow, things are getting pretty bad here in these three pictures. What happened?
0: Um. now this is where part of this represents my life at the university whereby the only way you could measure up to the standard of being a journalism and communication student is where you could be exposed to so much and meeting people big people high profile people and making you know conducting interviews with them you know being exposed to different meetings and all those conferences, attending them and being heavily involved, that's when you are, you are to qualify as a journalism and communication student, one of the best in the School of Journalism and Communication. So at the time, my professors, my lecturers at the university had a lot of confidence in me. And they could say, Brenda, can do this, Brenda can do that. And I say, you often say I can do things, but you haven't trained me to do them. So oftentimes, they could set me to tasks that I couldn't be able to accomplish. And then when I tell them to teach me to do it, I could disappoint them in the process. So literally, they could give me tasks thinking I would be able to do them, but I don't do them well. So my heart is broken because now I seem to be a disappointment to people because now, they had high expectations of me, but now I'm not delivering enough according to their expectations. Oh, wow. That, that broke my heart. And then it came to the worst when after university, with all that high success that I had achieved, just like it was in secondary school, I suffered bilateral facial paralysis. Which Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: let's talk about that. So, everything from the outside was yep. looking fantastic for you. Mm-hmm. You graduated with honors. You were offered a, a job. The sky was the limit. Yep. But then, bam, what was this that happened, and, and why did it happen, you think? Was it stress?
0: Yes. The fashion of polaris, even today doctors say it's caused by different things. They they say chronic diseases, they talk about things like diabetes and and infections and all these things can cause polaris. But mine doctors have prescribed that it's due to stress that I encountered through my uni throughout my uni education. This is when I got a a huge accident, I would call it, whereby I had to... Oh, you were
1: telling me before we started to record that you had a lot of work that you did for a project, Mm -hmm. and it all was destroyed when your external hard drive was destroyed, or you dropped it and it broke?
0: Yes. So... The external slipped off and fell and crashed. Lost my content, had a lot wow. of sleepless nights, and I was working so hard to strike the deadline that is usually set by the National Examination Council. So, there is no way I could convince the supervisor to adjust my days because this is something established by the London government. So that's in that, that process, that's when I had lots of sleepless nights, suffered migraine, headaches, and then in the process, it led to bilateral facial paralysis. Wow.
1: It just sounds like you just had a whole lot of pressure on you. I mean, that's kind of the long and short of it, isn't it?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So you're having tremendous success, one of the tops in your class, but at what cost? Your health was deteriorating. Yeah. So, what actually is this? Your, your, your face
0: mm-hmm.
1: was paralyzed? Is that how it manifests itself?
0: Yes. My face fell. It got deformed. So, my nerves were inflamed. I suffered inflammation of the nerves. And so, that led to deformity of my whole face. And that was both sides, both the right and the and the left side were affected. So, yeah, that led to a lot of depression, uh, anguish, pain of, of the three years. I was just in total pain wow. at a time of darkness. But that's when I actually now committed my, recommitted my life to Christ. Because I knew that the devil might be in but I knew that God was, I know now that the Lord was in that situation, that he allowed me to go through that pain, that I would learn to listen to his voice while he speaks. Because now this was three years when I'm bedridden, and I have no one else to talk to, just by myself in this room, just gaining intensive treatment. And now here I am most of the times I'm alone, thank God for my family. I blessed the Lord for them, but most of the times I was alone, and that's when God could talk, and I am in position to listen.
1: Well, it's looking pretty bleak, and hence the photo of the frowning face with the tears streaming down and the broken heart.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. That's that's the climax of my life, where I suffered bilateral facial polarizes, broken, depressed, and hopeless, and Literally, to some extent, I started to contemplate suicide, but God is so good that he was always there that he could save me from such evil thoughts. But then he was transforming my character because of the plans he had ahead that I did not have a clue about. So he had to work on the inside to make sure that he deals with, with me, with my heart, And he changes my heart for the glory of what was yet to come because he knew that he was going to give me a very huge calling to become a media fundraiser to raise money and resources for the kingdom. So I had to be prepared. I had to be molded and melted in character so that God can call somebody who's ready to listen to him, who's able to obediently execute his task.
1: Okay, so you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself physically. Your health is deteriorating. But then I'm looking at the final drawing and the four pictures that depict your life. And I'm seeing finally a big smiling face and a heart that's filled with joy. What happened?
0: Uh, Now, this is the time when God healed me completely. It's amazing. Yes, tell us about that. This is Jehovah Rapha himself who touched my life because the doctors, my case in the hospital was a case study. They had never seen bilateral facial you know, attacking one side and attacking the other. That was a special case. So I believe God himself had, you know, finished the season of transformation was over. and then he called me into a new season, which was now, the fact that I had to execute his calling, then he went ahead and healed me completely. He healed me inside and he healed me outside. So I needed inner healing, which was the ultimate process of healing, than it was to heal on the external because the spirit, you know, the physical perish, but the spiritual things stand forever. Amen. So... So, yeah, he, he dealt with my spirit, my character, my, the inner person had healed. So the, the external part of it was the easiest for God to deal with. So uh, that's why he increased my faith in a significant way that he was telling me now it is time to send you to the world to go and do what I've called you to do. So he He did not only trust for me, but he he made me an encourager in some way, especially to encourage teenagers and youth. Uh, He increased my faith and all the dreams that I had had as a child started to come true at this particular moment, whereby so many things, so many pieces of the puzzle were falling in place. And I started to see the bigger picture of my life. I started to regain peace. I gained position and I gained purpose in life. started to be grateful enough to the Lord who had healed me, had love for him that is intimate, love for God and love for people. And I was more of, a humble person this time, the art of humility that God gave me through that process, which brought joy, a lot of joy in my heart. He gave me the art of patience through pain. And then he also gave me the art of being principled enough uh, in terms of seeking him early, daily, in terms of having a disciplined life, a life that is full of order, life that has focus, uh, a life that has a target, has goals and pursues them and those goals are not for my own glory but for the glory of whom that he who called me and so my ultimate purpose in life is to share and shine out god's love in my generation
1: wow that's fantastic and unfortunately we're running out of time but eventually you meet an australian named bernie dimatt who is a radio bible teacher here in Australia, and he was in Africa and in Rwanda, your country, Yeah, and you met him, and that's kind of how you ended up here today. Can you share that story?
0: Mm-hmm. So, I met Bernie Diamond, the CEO of Christianity Works, through the Christianity Works African director, uh, Joseph Kaby, and God himself gave Bernie these so called crazy idea, he said, instead of us going to Africa to conduct trainings and share our knowledge in media fundraising, why not take a candidate to Australia to be trained and then go back home and give back the skills they have gained and do it in the African context in the way and share the knowledge in a way that African people can relate to.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so... That's how it all came about. That's yeah, how you that's came...
0: How all came about. And the thing
1: is, from what I've been reading here, yeah. there is a tremendous desire to share the gospel through Christian radio in different parts of Africa. However, the funding is lacking, so many of these radio stations are just operating on a shoestring. But now you, using your gifts and talents that you've developed, can learn here in Australia about fundraising and then go back to Africa... And help out all these stations is that kind of the basic idea
0: yes that's what it is so it's a matter of learning the different strategies and initiatives so it just
1: all depends on you yeah <laughs> <laughs> not to put any pressure on you
0: yeah 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 i bless god who has chosen me for such a great cause but um yeah that's this is why i'm here
1: well we pray that it's tremendously successful final question for you how do you feel about all this I mean it's great to see that through everything you've been through through all these frowns and sad faces we're looking the final drawing is one of a big smile is that pretty much your life now
0: yes yes God has put a big smile on my face and I bless his name for that
1: that's fantastic thank you so much for sharing your story with us today
0: thank you more God bless you
1: our guest today has been Brenda Ubunu from Rwanda